Lord, open my lips that my mouth may proclaim your praise. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. We have prayed, pour into our hearts your greatest gift, which is love. The true bond of peace and of all virtue, without which whoever lives is accounted dead before you. Without love, we are accounted dead before the Lord. It is that bond which binds us together, peace and virtue. It's the love of God. It is Christ's love in us. That love. We read through, we heard in the uh, law, in uh, the book of Leviticus, those things which perfectly show forth the character of God, which is holy love. We're not to plough to the outermost sections of the fields, not to pick up those things that drop down, uh, because those are the outside of the fields that were handed over to those who had nothing, to the widow and the orphan, to the foreigner who had no way of sustaining themselves. And so the outer edges of the fields are left over for them to come in and to be able to live. We are to give to the poor. We are to not steal, not deal falsely, no lying, no profaning the Lord's name, no defrauding, no reviling people because they're different, no slandering people, no keeping hate in our hearts, not being vengeful or bearing a grudge. Love our neighbor as ourself. Those and so many others reveal to us God's holy character, his love. For his character is perfect love. And so we are encouraged in these ways to show forth that love ourselves. The psalmist in the psalm today begs, incline my heart, Lord, to keep these laws, to keep your commandments. And Paul, in his letter to the church in Corinth, says, that's happened. The Lord has answered the prayer because he has come to make us his holy temple. We are where he lives. And if he lives there, his perfect law of love lives in us. You are his holy temple. He lives in you. You know, the the Temple Mount in Jerusalem is on a hill. Some of you have even been there. 
Wherever you are in all of Israel, you either go up or you go down from Jerusalem. You go up to Jerusalem, whether you're north, south, west or east, you go up to Jerusalem because it's on a hill. And that temple was glorious and it stood on the very top of that hill. It could be seen all the way around. It shone. The Lord's glory resided there. Get that image. You're that temple. The Lord's glory, his holiness, his holy love lives in you. That's the promise and that's the reality. And so we don't show forth our love. We show forth his love that resides in us through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You, us, corporately, all together, are this builded up temple of the Holy Spirit, but there's an individuality about that also in his letter to the church in Corinth. You individually are the temple of the holy God of all the universe. So his law of love resides in each and every one of you. The question is, how much room do we give the Holy Spirit? How much room do we give to that holy God who's come to make his home in us? He has made his home here. This is, this is where he rests. This is where he resides. He's still completely other, so we've not boxed him in. But he has chosen to live in these frail, broken bodies. The question is, how much of us is surrendered to him? What little part of us have we decided that we can still control? Is our pocketbook, or our relationships, or our work, or you name it. Yeah, I say, well, Lord, I think I can, you know, I think I've got this one. It's okay. I think so, Sarah. Yeah, I think I can do that better if you let me. I, every morning it's, Lord, can I surrender to you? Please allow me to surrender this next thing to you. And then, you know, I'm in the car and I'm grabbing it back again. Okay, Lord, one more time. Let's try this one more time. I'll give it over to you. It's, it's a constant. You know, we know if Jesus is Lord, then he's Lord and nothing else is, and we're certainly not. But the more that our will coincides with the Holy Spirit's will for us and in us and through us, the more he gets to break out. The more his love gets to be shown forth into the world and the less we are in our brokenness, in our, in our fleshly selves, that recedes gradually. But it is a work. It's, it's not easy. But it can happen, and it does happen. 
See, we've, you know, it's just wonderful how we have coincided without even actually realizing we were doing so, but um, Jim's been leading this uh, Christian formation class on uh, the just ten, the ten commandments, and, and here we, we've dived into the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus revealing the depths of the Ten Commandments. And, uh, and, and of course, J. John has also been looking at the Sermon on the Mount as he's been unfolding these, these Ten Commandments. And, and we've been looking at those. It's, uh, it's the Kingdom of God 101. It's Jesus training up his disciples in righteousness. This is the, these are the ways of the world, but these are the kingdom ways. This is the way of the flesh. This is the way of the love of God. And, and, he, and he draws us further and further into those. So if we are to <clears throat> reflect, to reveal Jesus' love, what, what is that? Well, we, we find it in the Sermon on the Mount. But as I was... Um, in various places this week, I was also remembering this one hymn, and um, I, I won't I won't read it all to you, and, and I won't sing it to you, um, but um, it just kept echoing around my head. It's called "My Song Is Love Unknown." My song is love unknown. My Saviour's love to me, love to the loveless shown that they may lovely be. Oh, who am I that for my sake my Lord should take frail flesh and die? He came from his blessed throne salvation to bestow, but men made strange and none the longed-for Christ would know. But, oh, my friend, my friend indeed, who at my need his life did spend. In life no house, no home my Lord on earth might have. In death no friendly tomb but what a stranger gave. What may I say? Heaven was his home. But mine the tomb wherein he lay. Here might I stay and sing no story so divine. Never was love, dear King, never was grief like thine. This is my friend, in whose sweet praise I all my days could gladly spend. This is love, love unknown, so that those who are unlovely will be lovely. He makes us lovely. He makes each one of you lovely through his love. And that's it, isn't it? We've got to really try and grasp an impossible task But we've got to try and grasp the true depth of his love for us so that we can open up and reveal his love to the world. That's our mission, 
to reveal Christ's love to the world. That's Good Shepherd's mission. And how do we do it? Well, we come to the end of the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, coming to the end of it. One of the ways is so difficult. It is not to retaliate. And it is to love our enemies. It says, love in your friend is easy. Loving your family is no problem. But loving your enemies when they've done bad things to you? Now mark this, it's not about justice. No, the lex talionis, the eye for the eye and the tooth for the tooth, that was given to Israel so that revenge would not escalate. So that if you took my sheep, I didn't go and steal your sheep and your cow. And okay, you've taken my sheep and my cow. I'm going to go back and take your sheep and two cows. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to take one of your children. And that was the way that it escalated. Personal retaliation. And what God put in place for Israel was only equality. And it was for the law courts not for personal retribution and retaliation. But he says, that was then. Now I tell you to love your enemies. That's not a feeling. That's an act of the will and we can't humanly do it in and of ourselves. It is only through the power of God who is holy, perfect love residing in us as his holy temple that we can come close to doing that. Go the extra mile. Hasn't that come into our common parlance? That's where it comes from. Go the extra mile. Go one mile further than you are required to do. Love your enemy. Break the cycle of retaliation and vengeance. But it's only through Christ in us that we can come close to doing it. That There's um, a true story of a woman and her husband and two young sons who uh, were from Alabama with an organization called Servant in Faith and and Technology. They came from Alabama, went into the South American jungle, set up agricultural project in the village. And they were there to start a church. They started a church and built a fish hatchery. She was with 17 young people, the woman, Sarah, uh, including two of her sons, one Thursday night around midnight when 30 soldiers rushed toward the house where they were all staying. She was paralyzed with shock as the soldiers stormed over the clearing leading to the house. She remembered with fear that earlier that day, a neighbor had overheard a conversation near the military camp in which the soldiers had blamed the Americans for the recent resistance to a military takeover of the country and the soldiers had vowed to exterminate all Americans in the region. Sarah Corson prepared to die. But as the soldiers approached, she found herself offering them warm words of welcome. 
The commander shoved his rifle against her stomach and pushed her inside the house. Soldiers began pulling everything off the shelves and out of drawers. Sarah calmly explained that she and the others were there only to set up projects and teach the Bible. The commander, stating that he'd never read the Bible, said, well, maybe it's a communist book for all I know. Sarah asked him to let her talk about it. While he kept his gun pointed at her and the other soldiers continued ransacking the house, Sarah opened a Spanish Bible to the Sermon on the Mount. And she read about Jesus' command to love one's enemies. That's humanly impossible, the commander shouted. That's true, sir, she answered. It isn't humanly possible. But with God's help, it is possible. She challenged him to let her prove it by killing her slowly. Cut me to pieces little by little and you will see you cannot make me hate you. I will die praying for you because God loves you. The commander lowered his gun and stepped back. Then he ordered everyone in the house to march to a truck. But before they reached the truck, he turned around and led the women back to the house. He told Sarah that the women would be raped repeatedly in the jungle camp, so he could not take them there. He also told her that this was the first time he had disobeyed an order from a superior officer and that he would pay with his life if he were found out. He said as he left, I could have fought any amount of guns you might have had. But there is something here I cannot understand and I cannot fight it. The village waited in agony for word of the men who had been taken. The local people insisted that the church service not be held on Sunday because soldiers considered any gathering a source of political agitation. But on Saturday night, a messenger arrived with word from the commander of the attack that he would be in church on Sunday. He wanted Sarah to come and get him. If she did not, he would walk the ten miles. It sounded to Sarah like a threat. She sent a message throughout the town that night. We will have service after all, she said, but you are not obligated to come. In fact, you may lose your life by coming. No one knows what the soldier will do. Do not come when the church bell rings unless you are sure God wants you to come. Sarah picked up the commander and his bodyguard at the military camp. Holding their rifles, they marched coldly into the church and sat down. The church was packed before the first hymn was over. The people came in fear and trembling, but they came. It was the church's custom to welcome visitors by inviting them to the platform, singing a welcome song and waving to them. Then the congregation would line up to shake the visitors' hands, embrace them, and offer a personal greeting. Sarah decided only to offer the commander and his bodyguard the song. Stunned, to be invited up front, the two soldiers stood with their guns across their backs. The people sang weakly and waved timidly. But then, the first man on the front seat came forward and put out his hand. As he bent over to hug the soldiers, Sarah overheard him say, Brother, we don't like what you did to our village, but this is the house of God, and God loves you, so you are welcome here. 
Every person in the church followed his example, even the women whose eyes were red from weeping for their loved ones whom the commander had taken prisoner. The commander was incredulous. He marched to the pulpit and said, Never have I dreamed that I could raid a town, come back, and have that town welcome me as a brother. Pointing to Sarah, he said, That sister told me Thursday night that Christians love their enemies, but I did not believe her then. You have proven it to me this morning. I never believed there was a God before, but what I have just felt is so strong. I will never doubt the existence of God as long as I live. The commander stayed for lunch with the congregation and offered money from his own pocket to parishioners whose loved ones had been taken away. Two weeks later, all of the men who had been taken were released from the basement cell where they had been imprisoned and some had been tortured. Sarah Corson was overcome with gratitude to God for putting divine love in her heart for a person she could not love on her own. And she remembers the last words the commander said to her, I have fought many battles and killed many people. It was nothing to me. It was just my job to exterminate them. But I never knew them personally. This is the first time I ever knew my enemy face to face and I believe that if we knew each other, our guns would not be necessary. We can't do it on our own. But the Lord has come to live in us. He has come to set up home here and there in each one of you. The Holy Spirit lives in in you and our mission is to give him enough room to shine forth we are to reveal the love of Christ that which we have received out into the world in the words of that collect pour into our hearts your greatest gift which is love the true bond of peace and of all virtue, without which whoever lives is accounted dead before you. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.